0: welcome to the life church of kansas city podcast please consider following sharing and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com may you be blessed by the word of god
1: so ephesians 4 11, and he meaning jesus gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers. Everybody say apostles, say prophet, say evangelist, say pastor, say teacher. Okay, this is what we call the fivefold ministry. Uh, some refer it to as the ascension gifts of the church because earlier in the chapter, uh, Paul says, He that ascended first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And then these are some of the gifts. these five gifts, they're not all of the gifts, but they're some of the gifts that he gave to the church, Verse 12. What's the purpose? What is the function of the fivefold ministry? The, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying? of the body of Christ. Three purposes right there. That's not the only purposes, but equip the saints so that they can turn around and do the work of the ministry that the body of Christ would be edified verse 13 till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me tell you that is a mouthful. Unity full spiritual maturity,
0: looking eyeball to eyeball theologically, and in our maturity with Christ. woo! That is amazing. But it can't happen
1: without the equipping of the fivefold ministry. Look at this, 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. So There is an element or an aspect of the fivefold ministry that protects us against false doctrine. We all know former apostolic people, even former apostolic congregations, dare I say, even former apostolic members of the fivefold ministry who themselves were duped by false doctrine. So, even with a fivefold ministry in place, there are no guarantees because Jesus said, in the last days, many will be deceived. But we should have everything in place that we possibly can. Continuing verse 14, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So tonight I'm teaching, presenting this idea, the profile of An apostolic church, or I would like to expand that and say, profile of the apostolic church. Everybody say
0: fivefold. So, whatever the fivefold ministry is, we must have it.
1: There are a lot of different ideas as to who and what the fivefold ministry is. In fact, I will tell you that the pastor that I grew up in under did not believe in modern day apostles and prophets. And this was a pushback against abuse. This is a pushback against spiritual abuse. Um, I know this is going to be really bad for the. Uh, the streaming but is there any way to kill the spotlights I had a, a procedure on my my eye and I'm I want to look at you but I keep wanting to look down because it's really I could be up here with my dark glasses but that would be way too cool um so yeah Daniel if you'll help me with that thank you so much um so my pastor uh was born in 1900, and the latter reign was the late 40s, early 50s, and there was spiritual abuse, to be sure there was, by apostles, self-proclaimed apostles, self-proclaimed prophets.
0: And uh, however, there's also been false pastors and false teachers. Paul talked about that. And false evangelists. I don't know how those three survived, but apostles and prophets were. Um,
1: in fact, I was in my 20s before I ever heard someone use the phrase "fivefold fold ministry, and I'll tell you who it was. It was T.F. Tenney, the former district superintendent of the Louisiana district. I thought, what is that? That was a Bible school graduate.
0: I didn't even know what he was talking about. So through the years, sometimes uh well, I'll just say this.
1: Sometimes you have to relearn or unlearn some things. In fact, our family had an in-house debate and I won't go into that, but years ago an in-house debate, my parents and me and my siblings, about whether or not there were modern-day apostles and prophets. It was interesting. And I'm so glad to say that in our organization, United Pentecostal Church, we are not debating this anymore. In the 70s, my pastor debated another very smart preacher. Uh, if I was to say his name, you, some of you would recognize it. I think it was in Little Rock, Arkansas, and they had a debate. I mean, it was an announced debate, and we're going to hash it out right now. Back in the day when people debated, does debating ever get anything done? I don't really think it does. I don't think it accomplishes anything. Usually, the more articulate, more quick-on-his-feet, wittier guy wins, but that doesn't mean the truth always wins, and uh, uh, so... In our organization, we have a position paper on the fivefold ministry. We are not debating this. We're just trying to figure it out. We're trying to uh, embrace it. And uh, you know, it's interesting in the Book of Acts and the Epistles, apostle is mentioned seventy-nine times, and prophet is forty-five times, and teacher is twelve and Evangelist is three, and pastor is
0: one. And in the first century,
1: the apostles were making room for all of us. How ironic is it in the 21st century now we're making room for the apostles. But one of my goals in having this conversation, and we're going to have it next
0: week, is we want
1: The up and coming generation and the here generation to do a better job. And we're giving the next generation permission to be what God has called you to be because we're never going to reach the world without apostles. Hear what I'm telling you tonight we will not reach the world without activated, empowered
0: informed, anointed men
1: and women of God who have spiritual authority. We will never reach the world without them, and we won't have discernment of spiritual conditions without the prophets. We must have the apostles and the prophets. We know who the pastors and the evangelists and the teachers are, and we'll spend a little time on that tonight as well, but. I'm really advocating for apostles and prophets, so we have to have it. Now, according to the text that we just read in Ephesians 4, notice the blessing, the benefit, the result of a fully functional, empowered, activated, five-fold ministry. Not threefold, not just pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Which most of us, that's all we've ever seen. But the fivefold ministry. Look at the results. First of all, saints are fully equipped, they're trained, informed, inspired. It's not possible for any saint
0: to be fully equipped without the
1: full representation of the fivefold ministry. It can be partially equipped, but not fully equipped
0: without the fivefold ministry. Okay. So
1: that's a blessing. Secondly, after the saints are equipped and empowered by the fivefold ministry, their job is to go do the work of the ministry. God has not called anyone to sit in a church building, service after service, week after week, year after year, and never engage in ministry. Simply stated, it's serving. Serving. And serve in the church, serve in the community, serve your family with a spiritual emphasis and dynamic. And do the work of the ministry, which essentially really is to go make disciples and reach the world. Fivefold ministry is designed to equip us, to train us, to give us insight, to give us instruction how to make disciples, how to fulfill the, minis- the mission of Jesus Christ in this world uh, so that we can reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 4 when we have the fivefold ministry ensconced and in place and empowered, that the body of Christ will be fully
0: edified. I'm not sure if I've really ever experienced that in a
1: sustained way. You know, I think I'm, talk- I think I'm talking about something tonight that most of us have never seen, full edification of the body of Christ can't happen unless apostles are there, prophets are there, evangelists,
0: pastors, and teachers. And then I'm not sure if I've ever
1: experienced where Paul said, till we come into the unity of the faith. Everybody say unity.
0: Just because we're in the same room doesn't mean we're united. But I will tell you that when there's an apostle in the room and there is
1: spiritual authority in the room and we come under that spiritual authority and that anointing, it produces, it brings unity. You know, there's a picture of this in Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How does that, what does that look like? How does that happen? Psalm 133:2. 2. It is like the oil that flowed down the head of Aaron into his beard and into the skirts of his garments. Let me tell you the best way I know how to describe this, and maybe you have been in this situation. It, the closest thing I can explain how this feels and what it looks like and what it acts like is, have you been to one of those services where the power of God was so strong and the anointing and spiritual authority was so powerful and we all came under it that the altar service was longer than the church service? Got
0: about three amens right. Because a lot of you don't know what I'm talking about. And nobody wanted to leave. And it was a holy moment. Feel the holiness of God. I'm not one that wants to go back to the good old days. But at the old building, my wife, she sees things I don't see. and. One night,
1: she said, there was such a visitation. We'd prayed a long time, and she was two or three rows back and had, the kids were young. And and she said, I looked up, and I saw what we call a blue haze. It sounded funny for her to say it, because, oh, yeah, I've heard about the blue haze. She said, that's what it was. It was a blue cloud. And she said, with each person that stopped praying, And got up and went and sat down. A little bit less of the cloud was visible until it just finally dissipated. But at least it was there. And do you know what I'm talking about? Spiritual authority, when it's in the room, that's the only way we can really experience unity. Unity is never um,
0: ultimately. Achieve.
1: It is never conclusively achieved. It is something we must continually reach for and fight for and defend and protect. When we come into this house, we should reach for oneness, unity, togetherness. Brother Teclamarian, who led one of the greatest revivals the world has ever seen in, in Ethiopia. Said they never prayed for revival. They only prayed for unity. They only prayed for unity.
0: And then God did
1: amazing things. And another thing that Paul said in Ephesians 4, he said, when the fivefold ministry equips the saints, they will come, the body of Christ will come into the full knowledge of the Son of God. Get- Son of God and to full spiritual maturity, full spiritual maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That means that when the fivefold ministry is in place, yes, we're exalting Jesus and he's high and he's lifted up, but when the fivefold ministry is equipping the church and we're unified and we come together. We literally feel like we're standing beside
0: Jesus. Wow. Eyeball
1: to eyeball. Mature. Powerful. As Christ was, John said, so are we in this world. As Christ is, rather, he said, so are we in this world. That's 1 John. Then Paul said, when we have the fivefold ministry, we're protected against falling into false doctrine and deception. And we are a fully functioning and healthy body of Christ where every part is supplied with whatever it needs. Now, when you think of the fivefold ministry, just think about Jesus. If you're not sure what it looks like, what it acts like,
0: what it feels like. Just read Jesus in the Gospels. Just study Jesus. Jesus was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. <laughs> he was the fivefold ministry.
1: Therefore, it's a natural thing for the fivefold ministry to still be leading the church
0: now he's the head he's the boss he doesn't always get his way but he is the head and we are under his authority but Jesus in Hebrews 3:1 is called
1: the apostle and high priest of our confession, there can only be one of those, he was the greatest apostle, greater than the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And there will never be another 12 or one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. They are in a class all by themselves. Their names are
0: written on the 12 foundations of the holy city, and they were hand-chosen by
1: the Lord himself. And so, but Jesus is called the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Secondly, he certainly was prophet. If you've ever read the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25, signs, of the last days, wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence. Jesus is answering the disciples' question, Lord, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of that coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus said, you know, here's what's going to happen, but don't be shaken. Many There will be many false cries. They will deceive many. He said, uh, take notice of the fig tree when its leaves begin to bud. Know that summer is here. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. He's prophesying. He's prophesying. But then at the, in John 4, at the well, he is the prophet. He's operating in the prophetic. Woman, call your husband. Well, I have no husband. Well, you've well said, woman, because you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Oh, I perceive that you are a prophet. I guess so. By the way, if God blesses you with the gift of prophecy, go ahead and use it to make disciples. You have Jesus' permission in balance to use it to make disciples. We've heard Pastor talk about the prophetic gift in operation in Him to make disciples. It's a powerful, powerful thing. If God gives you that gift, use it. And uh, Jesus. Used the prophetic
0: because he was a prophet. And then uh, He was also an evangelist. In uh, John chapter one. Philip
1: says, "I found him, We found him." And he's a Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" And Philip says, "Come and see." And when he's coming toward Jesus, Jesus sees him in the the distance. He sees him afar off, and he says, Nathanael, an Israelite indeed, in whom there's no guile. And Nathanael said, well, how do you know my name? How do you know me? He said, didn't I see you under the fig tree? Nathanael's like, "Uh uh-oh, if he saw me, he probably heard what I just said too about his hometown. (laughs) You can't lie
0: to a prophet. How did that work out for
1: Ananias and Sapphira? Not too good. And, and so Jesus discerned and operated in his gift as prophet and evangelist with Nathaniel and also with the woman at the well. In fact, when he got done with the woman at the well, she ran into town and brought the whole city out to see Jesus. Amazing. Jesus was pastor. He was a caregiver and protector of the twelve. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible says, He called them that He might be with them and to send them out to preach. That's what pastors do. They care for people, they love people, they spend time with people until people catch their spirit and they catch their vision and they catch their burden. And then that pastor equips them and sends them out to do the work of the ministry. This is exactly what. Jesus did. He thanked the Father in his priestly prayer in John 17 that he had lost none of his disciples under his care except Judas. Uh, But he grounded them and guarded them and protected them and helped them to grow and matured them as all good pastors do. And then he was teacher. He was teacher or rabbi. In fact, if you synthesize the four gospels, This was Jesus' dominant gift. His dominant gift was rabbi. So, if the church is truly the body of Christ, then we cannot fully represent his person, his power, or his imagery without the full expression of the
0: fivefold ministry among us.
1: I want to see the last days 21st century version of the fivefold ministry i want to
0: walk among the apostles i want to walk among the prophets i'm hungry for it we've got to have it because when the
1: fivefold ministry is among us jesus is among us and the church will be equipped and edified, and furnished, and fitly formed together. Amen. I I, I don't want just a threefold ministry. I want the full five. In fact, I I heard the story about a guy. He was cutting wood in his backyard, and uh, his neighbor came over and said, what are you doing? He said, you know, he had that, had the ax out. He was just cutting up wood. He said, Man, you've been out here for days. You haven't got much done. He said, I know, but I'm just taking my time. He said, well, why don't you go get a chainsaw? He said, what's a chainsaw? He said, man, it's powerful. You get so much done, you could do in one day what it took you all week to do. So he went down to the store and bought him a chainsaw, came back. He worked and worked and worked with it. Wasn't getting much done as he did with the axe. He took it back to the guy he bought it from. He said, what's the deal? He said, I bought this thing. My neighbor told me I'd get more done than I've ever done. There's something wrong with this chainsaw, and the guy that he bought it from here said, Let me see it. He went, The guy said, What's that sound?
0: (laughs) And when we are not using
1: the full power of the fivefold ministry, we are working a lot harder than we need to be working. But when the fivefold ministry is among us, Praise God. And I'm going to prophesy right now. There are five-fold ministry that are coming up in this congregation. There are apostles in our church. There are prophets in our church. There are evangelists in this local church. There are pastors and there are teachers in this local church. Hallelujah. They are among us and they are rising and they are coming. <laughs> oh, we're going to have it. We've got to have it. Your sons and daughters are going to be prophesying. Hallelujah. Some of you are raising an apostle right now. He's eating
0: Cheerios at your breakfast table. Where else are we going to get them? Going to call up Urshan College, send us the young apostles? No, we're going to raise them up. Praise God. You can be seated.
1: I, I got so many things I want to say. If you want to hear the rest of it, you'll have to be here Thursday night. But I want
0: to jump down. I want to skip way ahead. Um, and I want to bring my Bible study, I hope, to a, a good conclusion. But. I don't know if this is for you tonight, or if it's for us. I know it's for us. But where do apostles come from? Where do prophets come from?
1: Where do pastors and evangelists and teachers come from? We're we're a little more mystified by the apostles and prophets. We know less about them than we know about the others. So let me even just talk about the apostle for a minute. Everybody say apostles. Our goal
0: is to normalize and demystify apostles and prophets. Now, I'm not saying I want
1: to demean them and cheapen them and reduce them down to something less than what they are. That's not what I'm saying not saying we're going to disrespect them and and no 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 but
0: we want to normalize so that you know if somebody walked up to you and said are you apostolic? Oh well, yeah. Really? Where's the apostle? That's a little different question. There's a lot of people, brag, you know, celebrate that they're apostolic. There's a
1: lot more to being apostolic than the oneness of God and the new birth and apostolic identity and separation from the world. I'm not even sure you can be apostolic
0: and not be making disciples. Just
1: thought I'd help you have a nice day. Right. Disciple-making church is an apostolic church and the apostolic church is a disciple-making church and really God is moving right now among us. I don't know how many we baptized this year, pastor, maybe 30 to 40, 35ish, somewhere in there. Celebrate recovery and those of you that are making disciples. It's exciting. But where do we get the fivefold ministry? Where do they come
0: So what is the path to apostleship. So I've been studying this a little bit. And I love I love the Bible. Every answer we need, every discovery that we need, every revelation we need is right here. So let me just unpack and last five minutes, if I can, Paul's journey to apostleship. So we know in Acts 9, well, I have to back up.
1: Acts 6, the apostles lay hands on seven men, included in those seven are Stephen and Philip. The Bible said they laid hands on them and ordained them. They fasted and prayed and laid hands on them and ordained them to serve crabby old widows. That's in the Greek, (laughs) in the daily ministration. Now, we don't have any of those at the Life Church. At the Life Church, we have sweet, wonderful, and none of them are old either. That's right. They're all sweet and precious and smell like lilacs. So I don't know what the early church was dealing with, but we don't have to deal with that here, thank God. But anyway, they're serving tables but they're under authority. That's what you got to get. Stephen and Philip are under spiritual authority, and when you come under spiritual authority, you may start out, you know, vacuuming or washing windows or, you know, singing in the choir or playing the drums or, you know, whatever, but if you have a heart for God and if you're called, you're not going to be doing that the rest of your life. And the next thing Stephen knows, he doesn't even have a
0: license
1: to preach. He's preaching. And if you don't think he wasn't brilliant, you never read Acts chapter seven. He is preaching and conviction falls. And he said, you crucified Jesus and you slew him, you hung him on a tree. And, And the Bible said they got so mad at him, they were gnashing on him with their teeth. And they bring him to a point of, critical mass. The Bible said, they that looked on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And guess who's looking at him? Is Saul of Tarsus. He's looking right at him. And the apostles couldn't touch Saul's hard heart. But who got to him? Who planted the seed of conversion to Christianity in Saul's religious, traditional heart? He thought he was right. He thought the Christians were full of it. And he's taking them off to prison and he's persecuting them. It was Stephen that planted the seed in his heart. And they that looked on Stephen's face saw that his face had been the face of an angel. He said, Lord Jesus, lay not this sin to their charge. He died much like the Lord who said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And
0: the Lord just let him fall asleep.
1: And they laid their coats at Saul's feet. He can't shake it. He can't get away from it. Two chapters later, well, chapter 8, the next chapter, Philip, who becomes Philip the evangelist, who becomes the father of four daughters that prophesied. And when Paul, years later, comes to Caesarea, why does he want to stay at Philip's house? Duh. It's a spiritual prayer meeting. He's got prophecy going on. Prophetesses are there. He wants to be in a spiritual atmosphere where there's prayer. What atmosphere is in your house? I just thought I might ask that question. And Philip goes to Samaria. He preaches Christ. He baptizes. He casts out devils. He works miracles. Peter and John come. They lay hands on the believers. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 9, Paul is on the road to Damascus, and we know the story, and I won't rehearse it, but when Paul trembling said to that voice that spoke, who are you, Lord? He's trembling because the next thing that he hears, he's going to have to deal with it.
0: I am Jesus. I've been on the
1: wrong side the whole time. You really are the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. You are the Kudios. There can only be one of those. And and his heart has changed instantly. And he's led by the hand into Damascus. God sends Ananias. He comes and prays for him. Scales fall off his eyes. He'd been blinded for three days. Ananias baptizes him and Saul is filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias said, I've come that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't think for one minute that Ananias left without Paul receiving the Holy Spirit right there at Simon the Tanner's house. So here's the question Was Saul called to be an apostle the day he got saved? I don't know. Was the seed
0: planted for him to become an apostle? I don't
1: know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if when God saves somebody that they're called instantly to be a prophet or a teacher or a pastor or an apostle or an evangelist. I don't understand that. But here's what I do know. When you study the Bible, the Lord speaks through Ananias to Saul the day of his baptism and says, "You're a chosen vessel You are going to suffer great things for Christ. You will preach to Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. The Bible says that after that, Paul began to preach immediately. So we know that he's called at least to preach immediately. And here's what I want you to get. You don't get the next thing until you do this thing. You don't get promoted by God to the next thing until you're faithful with where he's called you to right now. But if you, but if you obey, if you say yes, if you do it to the best of your ability, don't, say, don't sit there and say, well, I'm not doing nothing until I've got apostle written on you know, my office door. Well, that's, how's that going to work out for you with Christ? Not too good. So you be faithful with where you are. Right now, whatever your hand finds it to do, do it with all your heart. Do it heartily as unto the Lord, and then promotion will come. If God has more for you, more will come. And so Paul begins to preach, and he, he's taken to uh, Jerusalem, and that doesn't work out too well. They don't know if they can trust him and believe him. And he, he runs to Tarsus, and, and then Barnabas goes after him. Thank God for Barnabas and he takes him to Antioch and that's really what I thought I was going to talk about tonight and just sort of shifted today but he sees the grace of God and there's prophets and teachers in Antioch and Paul and Barnabas are numbered among the prophets and teachers so he starts preaching now he's referred to as a prophet in acts chapter 13 and then in verse 3 the holy ghost says separate me Barnabas And Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So now they're being separated by the Holy Spirit. They're being sent by the Holy Spirit, and then the church sends them. And I will tell you that if there is an apostle, he will be sent. That's what it means, apostolos, sent one. Apostles are sent, and I don't have time to to define all five gifts of the fivefold ministry, but apostles go. They are sent. They have spiritual authority. They can open up nations. They can open up cities. They can open up language groups, amen, when nobody else can do it. When someone else is there that's not an apostle, they're working with an ax, but when an apostle comes on the scene, it's, now we're going to get something done. Spiritual authority opens doors.
0: It takes dominion. And and we won't reach the world. We won't even reach the Kansas City metro without apostles. And so chapter 14. Can you put Acts 14, 14 on the screen? Look at this. But when the apostles,
1: Barnabas and Paul, heard this, in other words, they were being celebrated for this great miracle. There was a great miracle. And by the way, Paul said that the signs of an apostle are wonders, signs, and mighty deeds, mighty deeds. An apostle will have a
0: consistent flow of wonders, signs, and mighty deeds. And, and so this is the first time, and Barnabas is called an apostle,
1: and Paul is called an apostle, and so we, we see this trajectory, we see this, this development, we see this spiritual maturity. I'll just say this, when someone begins to do the work of an apostle, they are an apostle. When someone begins to do the work of a prophet, what does a prophet do? A prophet guides. A prophet is like eyes to the church. A prophet is the voice to the church. A prophet sees sooner and further and more and has the ability to discern spiritual conditions. Amen. And the prophet will foretell and he will foretell. And a prophet will read your mail.
0: Woo! That's not a bad thing can't be saved without having your mail read. Amen. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm having a blast. I'm excited about what God is going to say to us. Would you stand with me? And I, I want you to just put up your
1: spiritual antenna. Would you just put up your spiritual antenna? Would you pray for the up-and-coming generation? Would you pray for the next generation of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher? Would you make yourself available? Would you make yourself available right now? Make your kids available, your children. What about your grandchild? What about your grandson? What about your granddaughter? Come on. Amen. Let's lift our voices right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm calling out the next generation of the fivefold ministry, Lord. God, we need young apostles, Lord. We need young prophets. Lord, we need young pastors and young evangelists and young teachers. Oh, Lord, they don't have to wait till they're 60 or 70. Lord, to be in the fivefold ministry, oh, God, we need them young. We need them dedicated. We need them pure. We need them set apart. We need them fasting and praying. We need them humble before you, God. We need them in accountability with one another. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Come on, let your voice out again. Let it out again. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, let the apostles walk among us. Lord, let them walk among us. Lord, let the prophets, let the prophets, Lord, we want to see it. We want to see a book of Acts revival. But if we're going to see it, we've got to have a book of Acts. We've got to have a book of Acts structure, Lord. We've got to have a book of Acts authority. We've got to have a book of Acts. Lord understanding of the polity of the church and Lord who's leading the church in the name of Jesus Lord God we're calling out the apostles and the prophets may they be fasting now and praying now and studying now and Lord doing the work Lord of the gifting of the five old ministry oh God among us <laughs> oh Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on. There's a shift in the life church since January. There's been a shift. Come on. Step up to it. Amen. Step out into it. Praise God. Amen. There's a shift in the Holy Ghost. Every worship service is different. Every altar call is different. Amen. The call is going out. It's here. God's getting the church ready. God is equipping the church. God is equipping the saints. Hallelujah. We're coming under greater anointing. We're coming under more authority. We're coming under we're coming into this unity. We're coming into this unity of the faith. We're coming into this spiritual maturity. We're coming into this identity of Jesus Christ. We're going to see what we've never seen. We're going to see what we've never seen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor, Pastor, would you please come? Pastor Nathan, would you come? Brother Jesse, Evangelist Jesse, would you come? I didn't know what to do to close this service, but we're just going to stretch our hands. We're just going to stretch our hands out over the congregation. If you want to receive a blessing right now, if you want to receive an impartation, just lift your hands to the Lord right now. I know it when I feel it, and there's something moving. In the name of Jesus, Lord, God, we're going to a new level. Lord, we're stepping up to a new dimension. We're walking in a new authority. In the name of Jesus, we declare it. We declare it. We declare it. We declare unity. We declare submission. We declare the glory. We declare anointing. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare that the saints are being equipped to do the work of the ministry. We speak it. We speak it. We declare it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. (laughs) Let's pray for unity in the body of Christ right now. Everybody. Pray for unity. Pray for unity. See, Lord, Father, make us one. Father, make us one. I hope you'll take this serious tonight. Come on, pray it. Lord, make us one. Father, make us one. Pray for unity. Unity in the body of Christ. Come on, submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Submit yourself to the fivefold ministry submit yourself to one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray for unity. We come against any division. We come against, Lord, any anyone that wants the preeminence, anyone that's reaching for the glory of God. Lord, we tear that down. We we take authority over that, oh God. Oh, Lord, unite us, Father. And make us one. Make us one, make us one, make us one, make us one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.